You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. And he says that when he comes, he will testify of me. And again, more than anything else in the operation and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that's what he's all about. He testifies of Jesus Christ. He draws attention to the person of Jesus Christ. And so because the Holy Spirit isn't here to draw attention to himself or draw people to himself, but rather to draw people to the Son and to the Father, The name is even deleted in this account. Servants in ancient times sometimes weren't treated much better than the animals. Often they weren't even given names because it wasn't important. They were just given numbers. They were expected to do their jobs without being noticed or given a pat on the back. Pastor Mike's teaching today involves a servant whose name isn't mentioned in the story, although it is in other places. You'll learn of this servant's important job and its relation to the Holy Spirit. The story also shows you how you should be when doing God's work. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 24 as he begins his message, Wooing the Bride. Genesis chapter 24. The title is Wooing the Bride. And I'll explain why I gave this message that title in just a moment. So we're in Genesis chapter 24, and this text is found in verses 34 through 38. So let's go ahead and read that text. Genesis chapter 24, beginning in verse 34. So he said, that is the servant, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. And he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. Donkeys, if you're from Jersey. And Sarah, you know, guys from Jersey just can't pronounce certain words, I guess. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear an oath that is saying, you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Father, we pray now that you'd bless each one for their coming. God, that you'd reward each one for the commitment to be here, to take time out of their busy schedules, to be here. God, there's so many things that are pressing us, Lord, and vie for our attention. 
But Lord, we want to set our priorities straight. Lord, we want to put you first. And Lord, we want to seek you and know you better. And that's why we've come into this place. And so, Lord, we are in agreement to that end, that you'll do that work in us. Lord, more than anything else, we pray that we would see Jesus in this text of Scripture and that we would fall more deeply in love with him. God, we thank you. And now, Lord, we'd ask that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be in operation during this time in the areas of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy. God, speak to us as we study your word. God, we thank you again. Lord, settle our hearts now. Help us to feel very comfortable and at ease and at home as we just sit at your feet and learn of you. Lord, help us to realize truly that this is the family that you've given us, provided for us. We're among friends. And again, we just pray that everyone would feel very comfortable in being here. And now, God, let my words be your words, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, this message, wooing the bride. The servant of Abraham has been commissioned by Abraham through a vow to get a wife for his son Isaac in the land of Abraham's birth. That would have been back, remember, when we were first introduced to Abraham in the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans. So it was there that God commissioned him, Abraham, and called him out and then began to direct him towards the land of Canaan. He was to get a wife for his son Isaac in the land of Abraham's birth and from among the family of Abraham, according to this text of Scripture. And so the servant has now arrived, as we discovered last time together, He's at the house of Abraham's nephew, and there is a grand niece who we've already been introduced to, whose name was Rebecca, whom the servant has surmised to be God's choice for the bride. So then he introduces himself to the family. Notice there in verses 34 and verse 38. Now, as we have already established, the story of Abraham And Isaac becomes a beautiful story, a type of God the Father and God the Son. Remember, we recently talked about here in the book of Genesis, there are these stories that have a dual understanding, a dual meaning. They are what we refer to as types in the Bible. For example, in chapter 22, we find Abraham taking his son, his only son, whom he loved at God's beckoning to offer as his sacrifice on the mount that God had shown him. It's sort of like a pageant, if you will, that's being played out. And in that, we see perfectly John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Abraham becomes a type of God the Father, and Isaac becomes a type of Jesus the Son. Now, if you're here for the first time or you haven't been here, I would encourage you to go back several weeks where we discussed this. We drew the analogies between that story of Abraham offering his son Isaac and God the Father offering up his son Jesus Christ upon the cross. And we went into it in great length and detail. We don't actually have time to do that. Again, therein lies the value of those archived messages on our website. You can get caught up right from where we left off, either on Thursday evenings or Sunday mornings. All of those messages are archived. And by the way, our series is being broadcast on the radio 
If you're here in Manhattan, it's uh, 95.1. If you're in New Jersey, it's 103.1. And you can listen to it. We're on the air Monday through Friday at 3.30. Now, in this story that we've just read here in chapter 24, we see the servant commissioned by the father to get a bride for his son. And in this, we see a beautiful picture and a type of the Holy Spirit the work of the Holy Spirit today in the world, wooing a bride for the Son, Jesus Christ. And hasn't that exactly been your experience? The Holy Spirit illuminating your understanding, opening up your heart and your mind to the truth concerning God's Son, Jesus Christ, drawing you to Him, beckoning you to come. It's probably the greatest part and ministry of God's Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk some about that in just a moment. And so the servant, whose name is Elizer, becomes a type of the Spirit in this analogy, and Rebecca becomes a type of the church. And thus and now, the picture is complete. So even as God has sent the Holy Spirit in the world today, to get a bride for his son, Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk a little bit about the servant. We've already been introduced to him in our previous study. His name is Eleazar, the servant, and we were first introduced to him back in chapter 15. And up until that point, and this is the way that he was recommended to us there in chapter 15, as the only heir of Abraham, his chief servant. And that's the way that we were first introduced to this fellow, Eleazar, okay? It didn't mean that Abraham's wife gave birth to the servant, but someone there in Abraham's group of other servants gave birth to this son, to this child, and he became the chief servant of Abraham. Remember, up until that point, God didn't open Sarah's womb, and the child of promise, Isaac, hadn't been born. Now, it is also interesting that the name Eleazar means God is my help. And this is significant. The name Eleazar literally means, in the Hebrew language, God is my help. Now, I want you to think about this. The name of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament Greek, is the Greek word parakletes. And we've talked about this before. And that word indicates one who comes alongside to help. And he's also recommended to us by Jesus himself as the comforter. Remember, Jesus talked about his leaving his disciples and how needful it was for him to leave his disciples because if he didn't leave, the comforter would have never been given or the comforter would have never come. So just think of the Holy Spirit in that way, the one who comes alongside to help and also our comforter. Now think of that. Put Eleazar alongside of the Holy Spirit, their names, what those names represent and what they indicate, and therefore you have in the servant, once again, a type of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God's help for you, to strengthen us, to teach us all things, to guide us into all truth. 
as was indicated by Jesus in John's Gospel in chapter 16 and verse 13. And so Eleazar in Hebrew is equivalent to the Greek word parakletus, and thus even his name should give us the hint that indeed this is a type of the Holy Spirit in this story. Now, I also believe that the Holy Spirit, who inspired this story, deliberately left his name out. Notice, if you go back to the story, the name Eleazar is not mentioned anywhere here. It's just referred to as the servant. And I think, and remember, the Bible tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God. They are God-breathed. I believe that the Holy Spirit, who inspired this story, deliberately left his name out. Because while he is there, he is testifying of his master's glory and his master's son. He's not there to sell himself, but rather to testify of Jesus Christ. In John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verse 26, again in that conversation that Jesus had with his disciples, preparing them for the promise of the Father, that is the Holy Spirit, to come. And he says, and when he comes, he will testify of me. And again, more than anything else in the operation and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that's what he's all about. He testifies of Jesus Christ. He draws attention to the person of Jesus Christ. And so because the Holy Spirit isn't here to draw attention to himself or draw people to himself, but rather to draw people to the Son and to the Father, the name is even deleted in this account. And he's just referred to and called the servant, lest he draw attention to himself. Now, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, and I don't even know if I should mention this, because I don't want to offend anyone, but you got to understand and receive this in the right spirit. I'm not downplaying the importance of the ministry and the operation of the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Godhead, equal with God the Father and God the Son. But, you know, this is his ministry. This is his part of his operation. Even as it was Christ's ministry and operation to come into the world, to lay down his life in our place upon the cross, that we might have fellowship with the holy God, with our Father who is in heaven. This is what they have chosen to do. And this is why I get concerned when I see people looking to promote the Holy Spirit. You know, it's all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I hope and I trust that I'm operating in one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit right now in the areas of prophecy. I mean, what is prophecy? And by the way, we had a pretty engaging conversation about the gifts of the Holy Spirit on Friday night at the men's meeting. People were confused about the gifts and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons why is because we have men that attend those meetings who aren't members of our church where they haven't been instructed and taught on the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the way that they're supposed to be used in a very balanced kind of a way and fashion. So that was one of the reasons why we had this really, I don't want to say heated, but engaging conversations on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So don't misunderstand. I'm not downplaying the importance of who he is in the ministry. and the oper- He's equal with God the Father and God the Son. It actually provides for us the dynamic for Christian living, for being a witness for Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus himself said in some of his last final charges to his disciples, 
Wait in the city of Jerusalem. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from on high. You shall receive that power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the result of that would be, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. So without the ministry and the operation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then our witness would be weak. Extremely important. So don't misunderstand. But you know these services that are designed to exalt the Holy Spirit, and Christ himself is absent from those kinds of services, is absolutely wrong. I'm sorry. I hope I haven't offended anybody. That's all I can say. Be really careful about that, okay? Be careful about those sorts of things. Because, remember, once again, let me say it again, the Spirit has come to promote Jesus Christ and not himself. His true work is in exalting him. Now, does that sit well with you guys? Are you okay with that? Everybody's good? All right. If you haven't been around for a while, maybe I've, I've kind of threw you a curve. I know we have a couple of visitors that are here, and maybe you've been taught a little bit differently. And let me say, I could be wrong, okay? I'll take the lower seat here, uh, but I don't think I am. Anyway. <laughs> okay. And so the servant of Abraham is a type of the Holy Spirit. And he has gone back to this far land to get a bride for the son Isaac, to woo the bride. And listen, we've already discovered this was not an easy task. He's going to ask her to make some real sacrifices. But think about it. In all of this typology, in, in, in this analogy, the Holy Spirit wooing the bride to Christ to become a Christian, uh, yes, for the servant, it wasn't an easy task. It wasn't, an easy, it wasn't going to be an easy task for the, for the girl that he found uh, to respond and go back with him and travel that great distance. I mean, think about all of the things that were involved. All she had was the word of the servant. She hadn't even met the bridegroom before. I mean, how difficult must have that been for her? But think about this. In this type and in this analogy, if Rebecca becomes a type of the church, and that's who we are, we are also called in our Christian experience to make certain sacrifices. There's a cross involved that we must bear. Jesus himself said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, pick up the cross, and follow me. It's not easy. But listen, you know what? If your Christianity hasn't cost you anything, it isn't worth anything. Isn't that true? But there are certain sacrifices that must be made. She's going to have to make a perilous journey some 400 miles across the desert to get to the groom. She would have to go from Babylon to Hebron, 400 miles in all. And all she has is the story of the servant concerning the wealth and the glory of the groom. I mean, it's going to take some faith in him and the story for her to leave her family, the security of her own home, to make that kind of a choice. And so we find the servant bearing witness concerning his master and his master's son. Notice there in verse 35, and he says, He is great. He possesses all wealth. He has acquired many servants. And he has given all things to his son. 
He has made the son Isaac to become heir of all things. Again, I mean, isn't it so obvious? Even as God the Father has given to God the Son and has made him heir of all things. And there is no bride suitable for him in that land. And so I've come here to find a wife. And then we also notice that when after her family consented for Rebecca to become his bride, notice in verse 53, let's jump ahead a little bit in our story, here in chapter 24, then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And so I want you to think about this. Gifts which were only a sign of the things which awaited her, Rebecca, the wealth, the glory, even as when we consent to become the bride of Christ, we begin to receive gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the similarities between the two? What kind of gifts are we talking about? Well, he begins to bestow upon us those heavenly gifts. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love. The power of the Holy Spirit, which is that dynamic for Christian living. Uh, a life that is so rich and so full and so great, it has to be described in superlatives. It's a joy unspeakable. The sense of God's presence now within our life. By the way, all of which is just simply a foretaste of things which are ahead, the things which await us. One day when we actually cross over into eternity and we stand face to face with our Lord, the object of our affection, what a day that's going to be. You know, I think that uh, often and frequently we should contemplate that day. And uh, maybe it'll encourage you as you're going through some hardships now and life's difficulties and, and problems in your own experience. And just remember the bright future ahead of us. One day we're going to be gathered together with our Lord in heaven. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be. And in that day, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, there'll be no more weeping and no wanting and he'll wipe away all tears from our eyes. There'll be no more sickness, no more death. Uh, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. So the Holy Spirit working in our hearts as we've given our lives to Christ, as we've received his call and we've come and we've made that decision, Today, revealing God's love towards us, the blessedness of communion and fellowship with Him, that rich experience. Paul puts it this way in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 and verse 13. In Him, that is Christ, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And by the way, that's where it all began, in the hearing of the word of God. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then God made man, and he said that it is very good. 
Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what He does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.